2: It's no longer a Paul Brown Stadium, Paycor Stadium, the new name for the Bengals home. We'll break down what we know about the deal and get your questions in in a midweek mailbag.
1: You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco. He's your host, James Rapine. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network covering your Cincinnati Bengals every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, hit the follow button, join the group of folks that make us their first listen every day because you're going to get great coverage here on Locked On Bengals. And we're going to start today with the acquisition of naming rights, the selling of naming rights. The deal is done. It is no longer Paul Brown Stadium. In fact, Paul Brown's name, well, it'll be on the Ring of Honor. It'll be on the Bengals uniforms, but it will no longer, as far as we know at this point, be related to the place the Bengals play their football game. Paycor Stadium has bought naming rights for the Cincinnati Bengals Stadium on a 16-year deal. And of that money, most of it for the first 60 60 or so million dollars goes to the Bengals afterwards. There's a 70-30 split with the county. The Bengals still get most of that money. But a big move for the Bengals. Mike Brown reiterating his previously made point in the team statement that it's a move his father would have agreed to, doing what's best for the football team, adding revenue streams to pay for things like the indoor facility. And some of those really big guarantees the Bengals are going to have to pay in the near future. And as we started the show, for those of you not watching on YouTube, James has donned the hot take chain. So let's hear what hot take James is ready to drop on us on this fine day.
0: The pay stadium era is going to be much, much better than the Paul Brown stadium era. And I mean that with all due respect. It has nothing to do with Paul Brown, but it's, it's pretty simple. What Tuesday reflected is – action proof that things are changing and it's not just a ring of honor it's not just an indoor practice bubble it's not just all of these things it's uh, damn it if we're going to compete with the big boys and be able to give joe burrow what he's worth and be able to give t higgins and jamar chase what they're worth and also have the cash flow to not only do that but keep other players around them so they can compete for championships year in and year out well, we're going to have to do something that we didn't want to do when Paul Brown Stadium opened all uh, right more than 2 decades ago that we didn't want to do 6 years ago or 8 years ago or 10 years ago even though we were a perennial playoff team 10 years ago and and so that's that's the part that's exciting for me whether or not people like the name Paycor State I don't really care and I know some like it some hate it some thinks it think it's blah me personally Everyone cares about whether or not they win, right? If you're watching this podcast, heck, you might be a Ravens fan watching this podcast, but you care whether or not the Bengals win, you're rooting for them to lose. Well, Tuesday is a bad day for you because the Bengals just gave themselves another revenue stream and were able to put themselves in position to win for the foreseeable future. Now, do a 1,000 other things have to happen? Absolutely. But this idea that you can get by without this when quarterbacks are making what they're making, and the money that you have to have in escrow, and all of those things, when it comes to guaranteed dollars, it was it was inevitable. And I'm glad that the Bengals seized the moment because it wouldn't have made sense to do this in 2017. Because guess what? They would have gotten hosed. They wouldn't have been able to get the money they got on this deal. Now it's the perfect time. There's a buzz in the city about the Bengals. Paycor paid, you know a significant chunk you just said it 60 plus that's a lot of money that goes a long long way and so from that aspect it's a really exciting day and I know other people are looking at it like I'm still going to call it PBS I'm still going to call it Paul Brown Stadium call whatever the hell you wanted to call call it doesn't matter to me but what the Bengals did on Tuesday really helps their chances of keeping this core of paying their core, which a there lot of go. people have made that joke. A lot mm-hmm. of people have made that joke, so I figured I'd be the next one, and, and that is a good thing uh, for them, for fans, and for the Locked On Bengals podcast. So yeah, if that's a hot take, it's a hot take. I had to put the chain on. It had been a while since I had done this thing, Jake, so I had to put it on.
2: You got to make sure it retains its value. That the hot takes are in fact hot when you're wearing the chain, just like you know the woo. It's got it's got to be earned but I think you're okay. The The $60 million figure, by the way, comes from Sharon Coolidge, who is a reporter for the Cincinnati City Hall reporters who, who've who dug up the lease with Hamilton County, the lease agreement, the first $60.5 million and 70% of the remaining revenue from any naming deal the Bengals would would have. So we don't know the terms. We don't know if it's worth up to $60 million or not, but if it is, the first $60.5 million would be the Bengals to claim. I I agree with a lot of the points you made, James. It is a move made toward modernizing the team financially. There are only two stadiums left in football, Soldier Field and Lambeau Field, as far as I know that do not have corporate sponsors, and we're seeing the Bengals sell sponsorships all over the place And we did have a few questions related to this just before we dive into the mailbag. Just want to shout out the questions. Uh, One of those was from Jeff Shackelford. Will the naming rights help lock in revenue needed to pay the stars? What impact does it have on the salary cap? Just to clarify here, this has no impact on the salary cap that is set by the league as it is related directly to revenues. And so it gives the Bengals more cash on hand to pay bigger guarantees if they need to. It gives them more cash on hand for things like stadium improvements, for things like building a practice bubble, for things like building an indoor facility in the future, and for paying their players uh, those guarantees. It requires additional cash on hand, but the salary cap remains unchanged. And on a more serious note, James, Andrew Goddard wants to know what happened to the Bilt Bar Stadium naming rights deal. What what happened to
0: it, it fell through. talks broke down. you know i I sat down with you know the the Blackburns and Mike Brown, and I was trying. I was trying and I, I think Elizabeth likes built bars for what it's worth. It just it did not uh did not get it done. um but it's 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 okay because again, Paycor won this round. and as long as Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and company can be in town, then uh, you know the Bilt Bar Hive will be just fine, and so will the Locked On Bengals brand. So That's I think fair. it was a win-win-win for all. The,
2: my, my favorite observation so far about PayCore Stadium is that PayCore Stadium has a Twitter account now, at PayCore underscore stadium. They follow two Twitter accounts, James. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first Twitter account they followed was not the Cincinnati Bengals. The second Twitter account they followed was the Cincinnati Bengals, Unless the chronology is lying to me, which Twitter could be doing. The other Twitter account they, they follow, regardless, is the official Twitter account of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, what sense do you make of that?
0: I thought it was going to be Joe Burrow. So right? <laughs> I didn't uh, I didn't realize. Yeah, um, that's a bit, a bit what, awkward. What's, what's well, with that? Well, what happened was, is I think they rebranded or something this morning. And you know Tuesday morning, and or or Monday night or something, and they were following the Great Smoky. Who knows? Maybe they were going to change the name, uh, the the Great Paycor Mountains or something. And you know, I, I,
2: I like the there. theory that it's there's some the Smoky Mountains driving distance, obviously from Cincinnati for people that want to visit. I my my, my favorite theory that I've seen articulated in my replies on Twitter is uh, that there's some tourism deal that the, the Great Smoky Mountains is going to take out some tourism advertising space at Paycor Stadium. And, and that's that's what that relationship is. We have a lot of questions in the mailbag. We've talked about the naming rights deal and what that means. Preseason right around the corner. Some of the questions about what to watch for in the preseason. The first depth chart, which did come out, by the way, the first official depth chart. No real surprises there, but we'll hit on that as well. We'll dive into your questions in the mailbag coming up next.
0: But first, a word from BetOnline, because BetOnline is a one-stop shop for all things sports wagering. If you want to wager on Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and the Bengals to take home the Lombardi this year, you can do that. If you want to wager on Jamar Chase to be Offensive Player of the Year, not just Rookie of the Year, of course, uh, that's available to you as well. All the NFL odds you can imagine, and no, it's not just NFL. Maybe you want to wager... Major League Baseball, NBA Futures with Kevin Durant doubling down on his trade. Hey, Boston, will you get the deal done? Trade Jalen Brown in a couple picks. And if they want Marcus Smart, well, tch, go get KD and actually become a real contender because Steph Curry's got something to say about it if you don't. Anyways, you can wager on NBA Futures and so much more at Bet Online. I've used them. You should, too. So go there now. Bet Online, where the game starts.
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: James, it's been a while since we've had a mailbag here on Locked On Bengals. The off day didn't end up being a total dud. We we had some major breaking news as, <laughs> as we dud. record. Ain't no duds the, uh, on
0: Locked On Bengals. What are you talking about?
2: Ain't no uh, I don't mean for Locked On Bengals. I mean for for things to, to take us away from answering mailbag questions. There was breaking news that we had to make sure we addressed before we got into the mailbag. That's all I mean. The mailbag is never a dud because our listeners ask fantastic questions, starting with this from Brian at B Artbo, With preseason football being vanilla, and we talked about this yesterday, schematically speaking, what are the things that you are watching for in the first game and throughout the preseason.
0: I'm really watching this quarterback competition between Jake Browning and Brandon. No, I'm just kidding. All right, can't do that. Brian, shout out to you. Um, That being said, no, I want to see the guys that have flashed, the young guys, the rookies, the undrafted guys, will they continue to flash, right? The reason people are excited about Joseph Osai isn't because of what he did at Texas. It's because the last time you saw him, he sacked Tom Brady and he looked like he could be a disruptor and a contributor, boom, right away for the Bengals. And that was a preseason game, and people haven't forgot about that. So that's what I want to see. Will Kwame Lassiter be that guy? Uh, will it be Zachary Carter, who's been really good in, in practice, and I, I'd, I'd say pretty consistent in showing that he might be uh, a guy that could come in and contribute right away on the interior of this Bengals defensive line? Will Jeffrey Gunter, his stellar camp continue, Because I thought that Wyatt Hubert-Jeffrey-Gunter battle was going to be, and he wants to go by Jeff, by the way. Sorry, Jeff. Uh, Jeff Jeff-Gunter battle was going to be this heated thing. And right now, it just looks like it's Gunner time. So will it continue to be that? Um, So that's it for me. Uh, You know, Schematically, am I really looking? Not a ton. I want to see which young guys are going to flash and and who could show up and, and who could really push to make this roster. Tight end room. Thad Moss, Mitch Wilcox, both going to get a ton of time. Which guy makes a special teams play? Because that could be the difference between making the 53-man, not making the 53-man. Obviously, we have the the punter job up for grabs. We have the long snapper job up for grabs. So there, there are a lot of back-end roster battles, position battles that I'll be paying attention to. And the good news for the Bengals, they don't have many starting jobs up for up for grabs. So we're not going to have to, you know, and, and you shouldn't expect to see a, a lot of those guys on Friday night and and certainly not for a long time, but a lot of these back end guys are fighting for roster position or uh, potentially, you know, a backup role. So that, that part of it's really exciting. So that's what I'm looking for. Which young guys flash?
2: Yeah, I think that's always something when you're a mature or stable team, when you're not in a rebuilding process, like the Bengals have been the last few years, when you're not trying to find those starters, that that's what, preseason should be like for those teams that are established and and so that does make sense Kendrick Pryor another name at wide receiver that bears watching and just Trent Irwin step back into the mix and and start to separate himself because last preseason he was very good and, and even contributed into the regular season Trent Taylor currently potentially ahead of these guys on the depth chart easy to forget perhaps that he was on the practice squad all year last year even in the playoffs, he was a practice squad call-up. He was not on the 53-man roster. So, you know, how how does that battle shake out a wide receiver? Special teams going to be a huge part of that, as you said, James. But for the tight ends, the, the other thing that I think is interesting, you mentioned Wilcox and Moss. With Sample being hurt, their role in the offense does matter a little bit more than it did before Sample got hurt. So it's not just special teams to them. And I'm not saying that's what you were saying, James, but How do they perform in in run blocking situations? Can either of them step back and play fullback and and do a good job in that alignment? Because these are places where your sample is going to be expected to contribute and they might need some early week contributions from these younger guys. Outside of that, obviously, the, the big thing in preseason is you can evaluate individual performance. You can evaluate individual techniques. So getting Cordell Volson on the field for the first time, seeing how he holds up. In, in a live game situation, seeing how Jackson Carmen may or may not have developed as he took his offseason a little bit more seriously by all accounts. But how does that translate to the football field? I expect that we'll still see Jackson Carmen quite a bit this preseason, the Ben Brown, Trey Hill battle at, at backup interior offensive lineman where Ben Brown and Trey Hill have, I think been in a bit of a battle and a rotation in training camp will be something to watch as well. And then the return of guys like Cali Kareem can Wyatt Hubert, make a mark last year's seventh round pick against this year's seventh round pick like you said in Jeff Gunter and I think you hit a lot of the big storylines Dax Hill is another guy we're going to see his first action he's going to play in case there were questions about whether the Bengals were going to play their first round pick in the preseason Zach Taylor said we should expect that so we'll get our first look at Dax Hill in Jesse Bates stead most likely guys like Alan George Cam Taylor Britt like you said James all all the the newcomers I think are going to be very interesting to watch. And on top of that, for all these guys in roster battles, you can evaluate their individual performance because we're not talking about a quarterback roster battle, right? Where mm-hmm. it's sometimes a little bit harder to evaluate, I think, the passing game in the preseason, but there are going to be a lot of elements on the defensive side of the ball, in the trenches, in the running game that are still going to be valuable tape for for coaches and for fans to look at and, and decide who they think the, the best players are at these positions and competitions.
0: And if you ask Zach Taylor, Chris Evans still battling for that uh, third running back spot. Don't yeah, buy it. Right. Anyways, next one. Bert's, uh, Bert Sivan says, um, what is the biggest camp question mark so far? If we need to add a piece, what is the most likely spot or options available to do so? Yeah, I think we've
2: talked about a lot of the free agents that are still out there and have discussed the the whole issue where the Bengals do still have a little bit of money to spend and this might end up going to an extension. But to me, this is this is offensive line stuff. The defense has been ahead of the offense early. Trey Hendrickson has been doing his thing, absolutely creating havoc from his rush position on the right side of the defense. And so... Let's see how this offensive line holds up. Let's see how this offensive line develops throughout camp. That's a big one. And, and the focus is at left guard, because I do feel pretty good about Ted Karras and Alex Kappa. And even though Jonah Williams is having a bit of a hard time with Trey Hendrickson, I still feel good about Jonah Williams. Lel Collins, until we have some sort of indicator that he won't be ready for the regular season, I feel pretty good about him too. But left guard, some of the backup positions, these, these are places where... I, I question the depth. I question the, some of the ability. If there were to be an injury there, and and that's where we've been talking about it. That hasn't changed for me, James. Is there anything else that's a question mark for you? Is it Jesse Bates showing up? Or are you not, not thinking about that?
0: No, I'm, because he, he's going to show up. Because he's much like the Bengals, smart and cares about money. And twelve point nine million is is a hell of a lot of money. And can buy you a lot of built bars, Jesse Bates. Um, that being said. No, I, I think the biggest question mark is these these young wide receivers. You know, if I'm not going to go with offensive line, it's the receiving position because we know about the big three. After the big three, I would say it's still probably Mike Thomas in passing situation, Stanley Morgan Jr. Uh, as that blocker that we saw last year makes sense. But I don't think the Bengals are necessarily satisfied there from an offensive standpoint. So is there anyone out there? that gets released in the coming weeks, that flashes in the preseason, that's better than Kwame Lasseter, Trent Taylor, not necessarily in that order, Trent and Irwin, all those guys, right? And and I could go on and on and keep naming guys on the roster, Kendrick Pryor, include him because he has flashed in in camp. If so, then I don't think the Bengals hesitate. And so that's kind of the back end of Burt's question. But, yeah, do I think they would be willing and open to it? Absolutely if the right guy comes along. So to me, that's going to be something to pay attention to uh throughout preseason, throughout tra- you know training camp in general. It's not just the Bengals receivers, other receivers across the league that are, are pushing and putting good tape out there, because that's where the competition is too. It's not just the, the eight or nine guys that you're paying attention to or the three or four battling for that back-end receiver spot. It's what's happening across the rest of the league because you know the Bengals are going to have their eyes peeled and, and be open to making an addition or two Once uh, cuts happen or or right before cut down day, we've seen some trades. The famous Reggie Nelson trade worked out like a charm. And that's the one we refer to. It was a long time ago, but it's not unprecedented.
2: B.J. Hill, very recent. Certainly not unprecedented. We've got a a few more questions here. Before we go back into the mailbag, something I wanted to mention earlier, by the way, the history at Paul Brown Stadium, there were 181 games played at Paul Paul Brown Stadium by the Cincinnati Bengals while it was called Paul Brown Stadium. The Bengals record in those games, 93-81-2. So Paul Brown That's Stadium era finishes record. with a winning record, a one-and-four record in the playoffs, unfortunately, but overall in the regular season, 93-81-2. So that closes the book on the Paul Brown era.
0: That's actually a hell of a stat considering how it started. Yeah. I mean, those first, what, 2000, 2001, 2002, were freaking brutal and, and then and then oh three happened and it slowly got better and uh and it went from there so like i said so it was a bit of a take to say pay core stadium's going to be better i mean think of it 12 games over 500 i'll, I'll take the over i think the winning percentage is going to be much higher over the next 16 years
2: the the benefit the pay has is that it starts with joe burrow a quarterback correct and, and not some more lost years at the beginning of paul brown stadium
1: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
2: In the the Locked On Bengals mailbag, our next question comes from Goosey513 on Twitter. Goose asks, the first depth chart seems to be what everyone expected. Do you see any changes? Happening before week one, the first official depth chart, of course, released earlier this week.
0: Well, Brandon Allen really pushing for that QB one spot. I think he's going to come up a bit You're just short. Just staying oh, on this QB out, competition, out, joke. Out, huh? Outside of that, I was just going to keep rolling, and you you cut me. You know, I was just going to keep rolling through it. Outside of that, no, I, I don't. I don't think. I think Eli Apple's clearly ahead of Cam Taylor Britt right now, so that one cancels out. Obviously, the punter and the long snapper could change. But as far as serious movement, starting lineup movement, I think Jackson Carmen would, to be quite frank, have to suck in, in preseason uh, to lose that left guard job at this stage. And, or, or maybe someone flashes so much that they earn first team reps and, and that part happens, and that would be the, the best of both worlds if Carmen plays pretty well, but someone else is just dominant and earns first team reps. Um, but there aren't really many starting jobs open. So as far as significant movement, I don't really see it. I think a lot of it could happen on special teams, including the, you know, kick return, punt return. And and that's that's about it. Long snapper, punter, kick return, punt return. I mean, there aren't many starting jobs open. Do you see any any starting jobs that could change outside of maybe left guard? Starting jobs? I mean, no. not many, right? I mean, that's that's a great place to be in. I can't remember a time where it was like this. Like even early in A.J. Green's career, you were talking about like, you know, uh, Armand Bins battling for a receiver spot. And then it was Marvin Jones and Mohammed Sanu battling, you know, for one of these starting jobs. And then it was, you know, it just went on and on and on. There was always something there. There's really nothing here.
2: Uh, uh, outside of special teams, which you mentioned, yeah. there's nothing. Kevin Huber still listed as a first punter. That could certainly change Clark Harris still listed as a first long snapper. I think that is more doubtful to change. Trent Taylor still listed as a first punt returner. I think that is a true battle. Chris Evans listed as the first kickoff returner. Puka Williams listed as the second kickoff returner. And this is a little bit strange to me, actually, because Brandon Wilson isn't just absent from the depth chart. He's listed as the third strong safety, but he's not listed on the kickoff return uh, depth chart at all, which I think doesn't necessarily mean anything. I, I wouldn't read into that at all. I think that if he were healthy, he would still be getting shots to return. But uh, yeah, outside of special teams, I don't see major shakeups coming when, when we're when we're talking about the starters. Even you know, barring injury midway through the season, you know who, who's who's losing their starting job. I don't, you know, maybe Eli Apple, but I highly doubt it at this point. Like, where where are you finding that that starter who's going to lose his job? I don't see
0: it. Yeah, yeah, there, there aren't many. There aren't many options available. Options or realistic possibilities which again is a really good place to be in um because even like let's look at linebacker right and akeem davis gaither's getting a ton of first team reps right now yeah. i still think jermaine pratt is is solidified there obviously yes. logan wilson is so it's like there's like you can bolster the depth and maybe those guys will get reps but the starters are who the starters are Uh next question about maybe extending one of those core members andre edwards my man andre asking the Bengals typically extend core players during the preseason who if anyone do you see them extending this year?
2: yeah I'm a little bit surprised we haven't maybe not surprised I wouldn't have been surprised if we would have already heard of one of these early in training mm-hmm. camp the the primary candidates I think we've talked about I, I have seen a compelling point that it's less likely for jonah Williams to get an extension than maybe I previously hoped you know playing on the fifth year option he'll probably play that out but Jermaine Pratt, a guy we just talked about, would would be top of mind for me. I think the Bengals really like him. They think he's come a long way. They think he's improved a lot year over year and has really settled in. I think they like what he did in a lot of those playoff games as well. And If he continues on that trajectory and they're pleased with him in in training camp as well and, and they still think that he's developing as a player, I think Jermaine Pratt could be one and the other one. Uh, that, that comes to mind for me. Pratt just 26, by the way, so you could get him locked up through his prime. The other one would be Von Bell, potentially, with with Jesse Bates looking like he's on his way out. Do they want to lose both starting safeties from 2021 and and from 2022, realistically? Or is Von Bell's leadership something, which has been spoken of very highly, that they'll be very incentivized to retain? Those are the two that really jump out at me james does anybody else stand out to you
0: no i mean von bell's the one you know th- there are guys that uh, depending on what happens you know Chidobe Ouzier could could certainly uh, be in line for an extension a year from now yeah you know logan wilson we know about t and joe obviously mm-hmm. but von is the one to watch for me they're not getting a deal done with jesse and unless jesse takes less or just plays out of his damn mind it just seems like he's going elsewhere after this year because the Bengals, he would really have to change the Bengals' mind about his value. You know how hard that is to do? Change the your employer's mind about how much you're worth. Try to do it sometime. It's really, really hard. Well, the Bengals have Jesse at a certain level, and that's where they've had him. And it hasn't gotten done. So are they going to pivot, which they've done in the past? You know, they, they tried to keep Michael Johnson once upon a time, and they gave that money to Carlos Dunlap and kept him around. It obviously worked out really, really well. Uh, I'm not going to compare the the two here in that situation. That, way but i I could see a scenario where they're like all right vaughn let's give you two years 14 million will you take it and he might not want to because i I think he's been a really solid player uh, a veteran on on this team and that's the thing if if he says no i want to play this out and and see what it's going to be like in free agency and get one more significant payday potentially in free agency i don't really see one i kind of think they play things out with jermaine i i just a feeling maybe I'm dead wrong. Maybe they extend him by the time people are listening or watching this, but uh, I I think they might play things out because if they pay Pratt, are they also going to pay Logan and Logan's up, you know, in in two years, but this is, you know, he could be extended after this year and he is 26. Mm -hmm. So if you're going to extend him, you probably want to extend him right away versus Mm -hmm. his weight. So that's the part of it that, that I think is, is interesting. But to me, those are the two. Uh, it, Jermaine could they I, I don't see it but there's a chance Vaughn could happen they also may just stand pat and say look we can find a Vaughn Bell maybe it is Tyson Anderson I don't think they view it that way I think they just like Tyson Anderson in the draft that he's not going to necessarily be Vaughn Bell's replacement even though Daxel is going to be starting next year for sure
2: yeah I, I think that I agree that Von Bell probably would would be the one but we could see no extensions yeah, That's another possibility. And mm-hmm. and I've speculated, and this is light speculation. I'm not suggesting that this is likely to be true, but the Bengals could be squirreling away their pennies and millions of pennies and trillions of pennies, I guess, if we're talking about pennies or billions of pennies anyway, for, for these extensions they have coming up because they will certainly uh, take quite a bit of money. Last quick question, James. I just want to Get this update out there in case anyone's missed it gavin patrick wanted to know at uh, g 4603 on twitter how's Lyle collins doing and mm-hmm. is he going to be ready to go for for game one i know you've seen him you've been mm-hmm. monitoring his progress and i think we talked about it yesterday but just want to get that update out there in case anyone missed it
0: for sure now I've, I've watched him on the rehab field pretty steady and he's done some stuff on the rehab field sometimes during team drills he's just working behind the team Uh, Just working on his pass sets, working on his technique, things like that. Honestly, I think if there was a game Friday that mattered, or let's just say Sunday because they don't play on Fridays, game Sunday that mattered, he'd be practicing on Wednesday, which would be the first day of game week, game prep Mm -hmm. week, and would be good to go. Uh, Zach Taylor confirmed that they don't need to see him in the preseason. They just want to get him some practice reps, which isn't shocking. I think Zach's going to be really light on preseason game reps for his starters. So to me, Lyle Collins progressing nicely, and uh, we don't really know a lot about this back issue, right? We know it's an issue, we don't know a lot about it. And just watching him, it's not like he's moving slow or anything like that, or the, you know, the pass sets are are weird looking. It looks normal, so I, I think he'll be good to go. Now you you hope so. You hope it's not just you know they're they're giving him some medicine, get him in, getting him out there, and then he goes back in the, into PBS and it's tightening up. But I I don't think that. I think they're really being cautious here because they know how important he is to their success this season.
2: And for Lyle Collins, as we've discussed, I think several times, he's highly incentivized to play as many games as he can because so much of his money in that deal is, is tied up in per game active bonuses. So he's going to want to do everything he can to be healthy for the regular season. Make sure he He is available for those games. That
0: pay core money.
2: Dip into that pay core money. That's right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On <laughs> Bengals podcast. We're back with training camp reports. And, well, we're getting close to a, a game preview. You remember Ooh, how baby. to do those, James? Do you remember what oh. it's like for there to be – what what happens in football It's been games? a
0: while. February. It hasn't been as long. I mean, think about that. That's, yeah. that's as short of a break as you're going to get. Hopefully we have that issue again in 2023. What do you think? Yeah,
2: I, I don't need breaks. Who needs, who needs breaks? They're overrated. Anyway, that is going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. We are back again tomorrow with the training camp update. Until next time, Bengals fans, thanks for listening. Hude, and have a good one.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.